0: Yeah man, you should have everything else.
1: Good morning, everyone. Rain or shine, sleet or snow, it's a beautiful day to worship. Welcome to Brockport First Baptist. My name is Kurt, and I'll be your lay reader for today. Let's start our service by welcoming each other.
2: may be seated. Good morning. morning. So nice to see so many beautiful faces today. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but today's a really big day here. We have a ton going on, Um, so please enjoy. The kids are going to be singing soon. Uh, Stay for potluck and come on back and march with us in the rain. It's going to be a good time. The kids are going to be dry. Uh, Michelle O'Dell did an amazing job with the float, making sure that the kids, yeah, did I hear somebody clap? Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and also, we are Christmas caroling. This did not make it into the bulletin, so if you are interested, pull your phones out. December 16th at 1030 at Evergreen Place. We are heading there to bring some joy and Christmas spirit. And also, next Saturday is Christy's concert. And just as a reminder for those who don't like to drive after dark, the concert is going to be the first hour and the dessert is the second hour. So if you want to come and enjoy listening to Gary Simboli, come. Please join us and then you can zip out before it gets dark. So
0: with that, I'd like to invite Pastor Dana. Pastor, Pastor Alicia. So as uh, as Pastor Alicia already mentioned, we have a lot happening today. This is a very packed service, and we got something really special uh, to kind of start things off because we have a milestone to celebrate. Um, someone in our church just hit their fifty-year membership anniversary a couple weeks ago. Um, Lori Garnett, come on down. <laughs> here for Lori. How you doing? I'll give you a hug too. <laughs> so yeah, of course. So I've got a cheat sheet here because I can't remember all this stuff. Um, but Lori, you joined our church by baptism on November 18th, 1973. You must have been an infant. I didn't think we baptized that young. Um, that's, oh, they stopped infant baptism after you. That makes sense. Um <laughs> You grew up at our church. Um, You were raised here. Both your parents, Ken and Lois, were members of our church, so you're at least second generation, which is amazing. Um, And over your 50 years here at our church, you have served in a ton of ways. This is where I need my list. Um, This is not a complete list. This is just everything we could find. Um, You're a part of the Cherub Choir, the Junior Choir, and the Senior Choirs. You directed the Cherub Choir. You are on the Music Committee, the Flower Committee. I assume that's plants and not baking. It's it's plants, yeah, I'm right. Okay, Uh, the nominating committee, 150th anniversary committee, 175th anniversary committee, I know who I'm calling in five years for the 200th anniversary committee. Um, You were on uh, the search committee. The DEC committee, which I searched and no one could seem to remember what that stands for, but you were on the DEC committee. Do you remember what that stood for? Okay, that's okay. Um, Pulpit committee, the committee to establish the historical designation of our church building. You served as a region delegate um, and uh, part of the property committee. And then most recently, you just wrapped up back in May as our property care coordinator, which is just amazing. And on top of all that, you're just an awesome person and a wonderful friend, um, and I want to thank you for your years of service to our church and your example of faithful discipleship and following Jesus these past 50 years, which is amazing, um, and I hope you'll accept this gift um, as a token of our appreciation as a congregation, and then I'll hand it off to Kurt, but you're going to need a mic, so if you want to—here, we've got the wireless—
1: So will you please join me in prayer. Lord, your love comes to us in so many ways. This love through, within, and around Lori has been such a special blessing for these 50 years. Her love for our church, and for each of us in it, has been a witness of your love. Thank you, Lord, for each hug you have given, each prayer you have answered, needs inspiration you have provided because Lori walks amongst us in Jesus name amen
0: amen let's hear for Lori again thank you you rock of course and with that I'll invite the Bagolis to light the advent wreath for us but you all can stay seated for this there is a response though that'll be on the on the slides
3: On
1: this, I'll get over here where you can hear me. (laughs) On this first Sunday of Advent, we light a candle for Naomi, driven from her home by famine. Naomi lost her husband and her sons and was left destitute in a foreign land. Returning home to Bethlehem, she made her complaint known to God.
4: call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitterness, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went
5: away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Ruth 1, to 21.
2: like to invite the kids to come on up. And while I have this moment of your time, we want to give a big thank you to Dick and Barb and Michelle and Pam for all the hard work that goes into these productions.
3: A reading from Luke 2, 6, and 7. While Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in wedding clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. A reading from Luke two, fifteen and twenty When the angels left the shepherds a reading uh, when the angels left the shepherds having shared the good news, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And they went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told to them concerning this child, and all that heard it wondered at what the shepherd said. reading from Psalm 98 and 4 make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth break forth into joys song and sing praises A reading for more, one, seven, and ten. The moon on the east of the new fallen snow, a luster of mid a to objects below. When at to my wondering eyes should appear, but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver, so lively li- I- and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick, more rapid than eagles. His coursers, they came and he whistled and shouted and called them by name.
0: right yes or keep the antlers on because I think it's a bonus I think it adds let's hear it again for all the volunteers who helped pull that together that was awesome you know what so that I can see all of you I'm going to sit right here Um, if there's any other kids who want to come down for the children's chat come on down now's the time or you might all be up here because there's like 30 of you. How are you guys doing? Yeah? Was that fun? Yeah. <laughs> Mostly yes, as I heard one. No, you guys really rocked it. Uh, what, was, what, was, what was your favorite song out of what you sang? Just shout it out. Just, yeah. Okay, so some Rudolph, some joy to the world. Very cool. What you, would you say? Go tell, on the mountain. Go tell on the Mountain. That one's got a good beat to it. That was, that was awesome. You guys did fantastic. So question for you guys. Who is excited for Christmas? Yeah. Is anybody counting down the days? Anyone know how many days do we have till Christmas? Do you get anyone know? No, I can't. We get my family down. Go ahead. Well, well, yeah. For those, if you know, what do you? What is it? How many? Twenty-two. 22. That's right. Twenty-two days to Christmas. That's fantastic because it's today is what the third, and Christmas is on the twenty-fifth. So yeah, twenty-five minus three is twenty-two. Um, do you all know what a countdown is? Have you heard of a countdown? Yeah? So it's like, it's when you're excited for something and like each day or each minute you get a little bit closer to it. So like tomorrow we have 21 days, then we'll have 20. That's a countdown. It is like, it's just like New Year's Eve. That's right. When I, when I was in school, when I was a kid, I used to count down to the end of the day. I would look at the clock and it'd be like, we have two hours left. Okay, we got one hour, we got 30 minutes. Well, I wanted to tell you guys, there is a very special way that we count down to Christmas here at church, but uh, we can't really see it from over here, so I'm going to actually have you guys stand up and come over with me. We're going to go this way. I want to circle, circle up around this big honking thing. Do you guys know what this is? Anyone know what this is called? Christian, what is this? Yeah. That's right. That's exactly how it works. Do you, do you know what it's called, or what were you going to say? You know what this is called? What's this called? This is called a microphone. That's That's excellent. That's excellent. <laughs> Very good. Very good. So this is actually, this is called an advent wreath, and what Christian, what you guys said is exactly right. This is how we count down and know how long we have until Christmas when we get to celebrate Jesus' birthday. You can just kind of count it and shout it out, but how many candles do you see up here if we, if we count them together? One, two, three, five, four. five, right? There's five candles. That's right. We light one candle every Sunday until we get to Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas Eve, we light the center candle, which stands for Jesus, because that's when we celebrate Jesus' birth. But how many candles are lit right now? One. one. So we've got a few weeks to go yet, right? We've got some time. But here's what I want you to do, okay? So for the next couple weeks when you're here at church, I want you to pay attention to this Advent wreath. And I want you to count each time how many candles are lit so that you can help us adults count down to Christmas. Because we're all really excited for Christmas and Jesus' birthday, right? Again, who's excited for Christmas? Fantastic. All right, can you guys pray with me? Can we fold our hands and pray? Let's pray. God, thank you for these kids. And Lord, thank you for Christmas when we get to celebrate uh, Jesus' birthday and you sending your son to save us. It's in his name we pray, and everyone said amen. All right, guys, awesome singing, awesome job. You guys can go uh, sit with your families, and thank you. Good morning, everyone. I don't think I actually introduced myself. I'm Pastor Dan. Uh, it is awesome to be here with you today. We are going to go into our time of prayer. Um, and like always, we've got our microphones. They're in slightly different spots, but that's okay. If you have a prayer request, a praise, uh, some way that you saw God at work in this past week, I'd like to invite you to please come down and use one of these mics um, to share that prayer request. Or Pastor Elisha will be going up the center aisle with the handheld mic. Um, Just to start things off, though, uh, we want to be offering continued prayers for all those dealing with ongoing health concerns. Um, Betty Bemis, Diane Smith, Helen Masser, Christy Fessler, uh, Pastor Alicia mentioned this coming Saturday is the concert for Christy here at the church at 3 o'clock, so definitely come out for that. Um, All the proceeds we raise uh, is going to go toward uh, transplant-related expenses, uh, so we'll have all the information here on Saturday for how you can give toward that martha go for it okay i'd
4: ask us to pray for us all in this confusion of war
0: and violence in our world today my tree out front still reminds me with its blue and gold ribbons tattered around it that the ukrainians are still fighting to save their country now many people are so
4: revolted by the israeli gaza war they're turning off the news and turning against one another what do we do what do we pray we must know we must know what's going on and pray for mercy peace and love without
2: stopping
0: We also want to offer continued prayers for Peggy D'Angelillo. I know she's um, still battling um, with the sickness in her lungs, so we're going to be praying for uh, strength and healing for her. Ellen.
5: Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask for prayers for my brother-in-law, Dale. He's uh, got, we just learned uh, stage 4 cancer uh, in his pancreas, hmm. his lung, his ribs and I think his kidney. So uh, he's got a great attitude right now and doing well. He's been through um, radiation, but
0: he needs prayer. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep Dale in our prayers. James, yeah.
6: So first I'd like to say thank you to the church because last night they were the host the Robert Dean Corral where I got to see um, Dick and Ron and Barb and Raya perform. Um, It was great to see Raya, you know, three weeks after her surgery. Being well enough to perform, and um, thank you to all the people in our church that came out last night. Um, and also, I'm feeling really thankful this week because I got a couple updates from Nate because they had, he's having he had a real fun week this week at school with um, the coach had the guys over for like a Christmas celebration, and um, you know they had like their formal last night, and he had mm-hmm. all sorts of fun. He sent a fun picture from the the fun he was having, so it's just good to see when. He's not away from home and you worry about your kids when they're away at college, that you know, he's having fun and semester's coming to a close and a big praise, the first time in like three years, I'm done with all my major assignments like a week Ooh-hoo. and a half before the end of the semester, so.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. So hopefully you get to have a little fun. That's awesome. <clears throat> That's fantastic. Yeah, Julie. So.
4: Um Back in August, I asked for uh, for prayers on the prayer chain for my friend JJ's parents. His mother, I'm just going to read it real quick so I can remind myself. His mother, Rosalie, was in her fourth week in Roswell, and his father was spending eight to nine hours every day there, and they're both you know, elderly parents. Well, I finally just saw my friend JJ just before Thanksgiving, and, and he said that the day that you began praying, his mother was miraculously much better. Wow, and she's actually home from Roswell, and things are fantastic. He was so thrilled. So I just that's to share amazing.
0: That. That's really cool. What a great praise. I hope you took full credit for her healing on behalf of the church. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, point to the Baptist, Christian. You got a prayer request? Come on down, man. You'll want to pull that. Yeah, mic down toward your mouth. There you go. Perfect.
3: I want to pray for my. For my mom's mom, she just got out of the hospital in a nursing home, so I'm praying for healing for her.
0: Okay, perfect. That's your grandma, right?
3: Um, technically.
0: Technically. Okay, all right. So for Angela's mom. Technically, yeah. Gotcha. All right, then. We will pray for Angela's mom. Thank you. Carrie.
2: Hi, I'd like to, um, well, I'll give you an update on Baby Hudson. So Baby Hudson is still in Boston. Uh, They did do the procedure. He's, excuse me, holding his own right now, but uh, just continued prayers, please. Also, um, I'd like you to pray for my sister-in-law and her family. Um, Her husband passed away uh, yesterday. Um, We don't know yet why, but he did suffer from addiction, so... Uh, just prayers for comfort for the for the family and for Shantae. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Um, I don't know. This this came across the per chain, uh, I think, a week and a half ago, but I wasn't here last Sunday. I'm not sure if we mentioned uh, Lynette Cox. Uh, big praise. We've been praying for Lynette um, for a long time. She's been battling cancer for the past couple of years. Um, but she had a PET scan recently that showed that a suspected lesion from an earlier scan was a false reading, which is good news. Um, And the cancerous cell in her hip showed very little growth. So all good news for Lynette. I know she has uh, more tests coming up. It was either at the end of last week or this coming week. So we wanna be just continuing to pray for her, pray for healing and pray for strength and for continued progress in her fight with cancer. Any other prayer requests, praises? All right, with that, let's have a few moments of silence so we can pray on our own, and then I'll lead us in prayer together. Let's pray. God of waiting, we lift up our needs and our longings to you in this season of waiting. Lord, there's much we're waiting for. We're waiting for an end to violence in places like Gaza and Ukraine. We're waiting for the release of captives held hostage by Hamas. We're waiting for bombs to stop falling for you to establish peace in our world and in our lives. As we wait, Lord, we lift up all the prayer requests, all the needs that were shared today. We pray for Betty and Gordon, for Diane. For Helen, Christy, Raya and Peggy. We pray for Lynette. We pray for Dale. We pray for um, the Robert Dean Corral and um, all the folks who came out for their concert yesterday and got to sing yesterday. We thank you for making that a blessed time, Lord. We lift up Nate and James. We pray for JJ and his parents. We pray for Angela's mom, for baby Hudson. We pray for Shante and her family and for any needs that remain unspoken. <coughs> excuse me. God, we ask that you would give hope, healing, and new life to all those who need it today, and magnify the joys of those who are rejoicing. God, in this season of Advent, we talk a lot about waiting for you. But we know that deep down you are waiting for us. You're waiting for us to sing songs of justice like Mary. You're waiting for us to bring good news like the angels to those whom others deem unworthy. You're waiting for us to do our part in this incredible unfolding drama of your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we know that we've waited too long. We've delayed. We've put off caring for the earth. We've placed the hard work of peace into the hands of politicians. And we've washed our own hands of responsibility. But God, we know that you are the one who is waiting for us and watching us and empowering us, Lord. Help us to repent and return to your ways. Help us enter this season of Advent reminded that we are the ones who must act, we are the ones who must change, and God, we are the ones who are called to manifest your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. We offer our prayers in the powerful name of Jesus, and we lift our voices together in the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven.
1: Now is the time in our service when we respond to God's grace with the giving of our tithes and offerings. In just a moment, the ushers will be passing the plates. If you brought a physical offering with you today, please drop it in there, or if you prefer to give online, you can do so on our website. I'd like to also uh, point out the part in the bulletin that talks about this month's communion offering is for the retired ministers and missionaries. This is an offering that we... (laughs) This is an offering that that we take to try to give back to those folks who have opened Scripture to us and, and had their life's work bringing us closer to God. So please consider that in your offering. Let us please pray to bless the offering. Perfect God, you trust to us our gifts, and you trust to us the time to use those gifts. Please, God, bless the offerings that we're able to give from our work, the work that you've given us. And may it truly bring love and peace to the community and the world around us. Amen. So this week's scripture reading will seem familiar to us. I admit that I was texting Dan last night saying, did I get it wrong? (laughs) In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elamelech, and the name of his wife Naomi and the names of his two sons were Mahalan and Chilean. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Mahalan and Chilion also died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back in the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you, to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. So happy Advent, everyone. Um, Happy Advent. There you go. Um, I hope I hope you're all having um, a good holiday season. I hope Thanksgiving went well. I was um, I was on vacation last weekend, so I didn't get to wish you all a happy Turkey Day. But I hope that went well and uh, that your dinner tables were devoid of any political arguments. Um, we started a new series last Sunday on the Book of Ruth. Which um, shout out to Pastor Elisha who uh, kicked us off in this uh, series. Um, she brought an excellent sermon last Sunday, uh, focusing on Ruth, and uh, Kurt, you're right, we read the exact same text today, uh, but today I want to focus on Naomi, and I want to start by getting a little nerdy. Do you, guys, do you guys mind if I get a little nerdy here in the sermon? I got, I got the thumbs up from Tom, so I'm good. Good. Um, <clears throat> so the book of Ruth, the way I think about this book is it's a love story, right? It's a, it's a romance. This is why we had uh, Alex and Nancy Bagoli light the Advent wreaths for us. Um, Alex and Nancy have been married for sixty-five years, which, which is amazing, amazing. Longer than Lori's been a member of our church, which is you know it's fantastic. It's amazing. Uh, and in fact, because the book of Ruth is a love story, uh, and we're talking about love over the next few weeks, we have invited uh, the four couples in our church who've been married the longest to light the Advent wreath over the next four Sundays. Uh, and now that I said that, you all have to do it. So Harry and Gretchen, I'm, I'm looking for you, wherever you're at. There you are. There you are. I'm, I'll, I'll get you guys. Um, but we're doing this. We're featuring these couples all month because Ruth is a love story. Uh, it's like one of those feel-good Hallmark Christmas movies, right, where, where the, the girl moves to a new town, and, uh, and she feels kind of lost, but then, then she meets a guy, and they're not sure about each other at first, but then they meet, and they fall in love while harvesting barley. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just like a Hallmark movie, right? <laughs> Mike knows where this is going. Uh, it's just going to get worse. But while this is a feel-good love story with a happy ending, it doesn't start out this way. The book of Ruth begins with tragedy, and this is where I got to get a little nerdy because the storyteller is using language to highlight the irony in this tragedy. It starts with the opening lines of the story. Let's get the opening verses uh, up on the screen. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malin and Chilion. Story begins with a famine in Bethlehem. Now, what you need to know is that names in the Bible are important. They mean something. And this is just as true with place names as with people's names. So the city of Bethlehem, where Jesus is going to be born, you know, centuries later, Bethlehem has a name that means something. Beth, the first part of the word, Beth, or Beit in Hebrew, that is the Hebrew word for house. This is why um, a lot of synagogues today, a lot of Jewish houses of worship, have the word Beth in them. You know, Temple Beth-El, house of God. Uh, Beth Shalom, house of peace. Beth means house. And Bethlehem, Bethlehem, means house of bread. So there's a famine in the house of bread. Get it? (laughs) Irony, right? Uh, I told you. I told you this was going to be nerdy. There's a famine in the house of bread. Um, The rabbit hole goes even deeper, though, with these names. The man we meet, Naomi's ill-fated husband, his name is Elimelech. Elimelech means God is my king. So this is a faithful Israelite family led by a faithful Israelite man. God is my king. They're the good guys. And we know what happens to the good guys in stories, right? If you're one of the good guys, if you're with God, things go well for you. But not in this story. This faithful Israelite family has to leave their home in Bethlehem, the house of bread, because there's no food and then Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi to raise their two sons, Malin and Killian. Their names mean something too. Malin is the Hebrew word for sick or sickly. And Killian means frailty or frail. Sickness and frailty. Two of the worst baby names ever. <laughs> right? I think we can agree on that. But the storyteller is trying to clue us into something. They're trying to let us know that things are not going to go well for these two, and it doesn't. Malin and Chilion die. Naomi buries her husband. She buries her two sons, and she is left widowed and poor in a foreign country with her two Moabite daughters-in-law. By the way, Naomi's name, it means Pleasant which her life is not. That's an especially cruel bit of irony. Do you feel the weight of all the names and what the narrator is trying to say to us in this story? This is a dark opening act. And of course, Naomi changes her name to Bitterness, Mara. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. We can almost think of Naomi as a female Job. You guys know the story of Job? Are we familiar with that? A uh, guy from the Bible who loses everything. Uh, he lost his kids, his flocks, his, ho- his health, um, and then he sits on an ash heap debating his four friends who think it's all his fault. You guys know Job? Yeah. Naomi is like Job. She loses everything, only it is ten times worse for her because she is a woman living at a time when women have no rights. Job at least still had his property, right? Right? Naomi couldn't own property. She wasn't allowed. In the ancient world, the only way women had any claim to property was through a male relative, and they're all gone. Naomi's not a citizen. Women did not have citizenship back then in that part of the world. She can't testify in a court of law. Naomi has nothing. And so she makes her complaint known to God and anyone else who will listen to her. Returning home to Bethlehem with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, all of Naomi's friends are like, oh my gosh, is this Naomi? Is this our pleasant friend? And Naomi makes her beef with God clearly known. Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. God, I have lost everything, and I hold you personally responsible. That is Naomi's prayer. Call me Mara. If you've been there, you know how this feels. It's a dark place that Naomi starts this story in. We don't typically make room for this level of bitterness in the church. Not very well. Um, We don't always know what to do with friends who are in this dark of a place. We treat it almost like a, like a taboo, like it's a bad thing. Don't talk about it. Um, almost as if these emotions are off limits. Not the Bible, though. This type of raw, bitter, in-your-face anger with God where people voice their complaint boldly to their creator, this is all over the Bible. Naomi, Job, the Psalms, I think of Jesus on the cross saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible is very comfortable with this. It makes room for this level of darkness. Naomi starts the story in a place of deep bitterness, and she has every right to be bitter. She's angry, she's hurt, she's in mourning, she's desperate. Naomi is bitter, and she has every right to be if you remember nothing else from this message, I hope you'll remember that it is okay to be bitter in times of suffering. No one criticizes Naomi for her bitterness. No one corrects her for it, right? Her friends aren't like, oh, they're there, it's not, it's not that bad. There's, there's no effort by the storyteller to put her in the wrong. Naomi's feelings are valid. She has every right to be as bitter and angry as she needs to be, given her circumstances. She doesn't stay in that place of deep bitterness, she doesn't live there forever, and in fact, Naomi actually has quite an arc on this story as she partners with Ruth and really partners with God to survive and eventually thrive, but we're not at that part of the story yet. We're in the first act. We're not at the happy ending yet, and that is okay. Bitterness at this point of the story is appropriate. It's just where Naomi needs to be. The Bible has room for that. You might be in a dark place right now. You might be bitter. Maybe you've endured some sort of sickness or tragedy. Maybe you're feeling angry, hurt, and alone. That is not a character flaw. Those feelings are are valid. That does not reflect poorly on you. God has room for your bitterness. The holidays can be an especially hard time when we're in a dark place. Amen? Amen. Uh, when everything is happy and bright, cheerful, people are, are singing and celebrating, to be surrounded by all of that when you're going through one of the hardest times in your life, it's not easy. The holidays are not easy if you're estranged from your family. Uh, It hits especially hard for those who've lost someone. You don't watch Hallmark movies when your heart is broken, right? And Naomi's story is a reminder to us that God has room for all of that. You don't have to hide it away and pretend that everything is fine. You don't have to look good on the outside when you're falling apart on the inside, and we especially don't have to fake it during the season of Advent. Advent <clears throat> this time of the year when we wait for the arrival of our savior it happens to fall during the darkest coldest time of the year that's by design right like we we light candles because it's dark outside and cold there is a reason that my ancestors in northern europe hung dried fruit from dead trees and prayed to the gods to send spring it's freezing outside it's dark it's bitter And if the church can make room for that in our calendar and how we celebrate the birth of Jesus, if we can make room for the darkness by lighting candles and singing songs about hope, then we can make room for whatever darkness you're carrying too. This is the season of hope. Today we lit the first candle of Advent, which traditionally symbolizes hope, and I think a lot of times we assume wrongly that hope is about being happy. That hope kind of rules out darkness. Hope is not the opposite of darkness, you guys. Hope implies darkness. It's in the darkness that we feel that yearning, that hope for a savior, that hope that things will get better and be okay. If you're in a dark place right now, don't try to hold it. Or hide, don't try to hide it. Don't try to tuck it away. Be bold. Be bitter for a season if that's where you're at. The next time someone asks how you're doing, don't lie and say, I'm fine, everything's good. Say, call me Mara, right? Which might be a little weird, um, but you know. Call me Mara, for the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Voice your complaint to God. Yell at God in your prayers if you need to. It's incredibly cathartic, and I promise you, God can take it. Let God know what you feel deep down. Let God know if you're hurting. Invite God into that darkness, and let us join you there as well. That's my invitation to all of us as we go into the season of Advent. To be real, to be honest with each other, to be bitter if that's where you're at right now and to make this church a safe space for everyone, whatever darkness we're carrying with us. Because God is in all of it. God is working through all of it, and I really believe that God is calling us to be there with other people through all of it as well. Let's pray. God, this season can be such a hard time for those of us who are in a dark place. We pray for anyone who's struggling to find joy this Advent season, that you would flood them with love and support. And God, we pray that you would send us a rescuer. Send your Son into our midst, Lord, to bring light into our darkness. Help us to find hope and help us to find you there as well. We ask for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's room for darkness at this communion table as well. We come here together regularly to remember the darkness that Jesus had to go through in order to bring us to the light. There's room for you at this table. Uh, You do not need to be a member of our church or of any church to take communion here. Uh, In just a moment, I'm going to pray over the elements, uh, and then our ushers are going to pass out first the bread. We ask that you'd hold on to your piece of bread until everyone's been served, and then we'll eat it together, and then we'll do the exact same thing with the juice. Let's pray to bless the elements. God, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the life that he brought into the world. We thank you for the miracle of his birth, for the way the angels announced it to humble shepherds, and the way we get to hear that announcement again today, Lord. And God, we lift up the darkness as well. We remember Jesus' journey to the cross, and we thank you for all that he was willing to endure to save us from sin and death. Amen. Scriptures tell us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a piece of bread. After giving thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. Body of Christ given for us. Take and eat.
1: Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. love and forgiveness of Christ.
0: It's the tradition here at Brockport First Baptist that um, every time we take communion together, we stand and read our church covenant. Uh, The covenant will be on the slides. It can also be found on the opening flap of your hymnal. Please stand and join me in the reading of the covenant. Believing that God has... forgiveness of sin, and be empowered to do his will with the company of his people, the church universal.
4: Nothing feels right The world cries out No justice in sight Fires burning everywhere Too many, too hot, too bright We are waiting for you we are waiting for you We are waiting for that Gloria in a Chelsea's day, oh Gloria in a Chelsea's day, oh The child cries out Don't turn out the light. Broken hearts cry out. No end of hurt in sight. Greed and guns rule everywhere. Too many too strong to fight. We are waiting. Are waiting for you. We are waiting for that Gloria in a day. Oh, Gloria in a day. Oh, Gloria in a day. Oh. Gloria, in excelsis Deo Let us be a sign of hope Let us be your arms of love Let us be the ones that say There is another way Let us be a sign of hope Let us be your arms of love let us be the ones that say there is another way let us be a sign of hope let us be your arms of love let us be the ones that say there is another way we are waiting for you you are waiting for us too we are waiting for that gloria in a chelsea's day oh gloria in a chelsea's day oh oh, gloria in a chelsea's day oh gloria in a chelsea style, we are waiting for you. You are waiting for us, too. We are waiting for you. You are waiting.
0: Amen. You don't have to clap. It's okay. (laughs) May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.